0: like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlightspodcast at gmail.com, or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook, or follow us on Twitter at liveonfourlightspod.
1: I'll say something we haven't said for a long time. Uh, Hello, Los Angeles. It's the forum. It's fabulous. I don't know, to us it's fabulous. To us it's not Great Western, it's not Mutual Omaha, it's not uh, Butterfinger, it's just the fabulous forum. It's nice to be here. And uh, since we were last in this town, uh, we wrote a bunch of other songs so we're gonna play a bunch of those for you and uh, this is one of them It's called
0: and away we go you're listening to live on four legs the live pearl jam podcast experience featuring mr stone
1: castle Fucking camera in a jump Mr. Boom Gasper! You can call me L, you can call me Ed, you just just fucking call me, why don't you?
0: Hey everybody now, welcome to Live on Four Legs, a definitive live Pearl Jam podcast. And welcome to tour Week, everybody. We've been waiting for this for a very, very long time, and as this episode airs, we're the day after san diego and we'll explain some things and why this is airing after and and we'll we'll get into that stuff as the episode gets along probably pretty early on but look we are in tour territory we promised this for the last couple weeks that we would be doing cities that the band is going to be playing on this tour the last three weeks if you haven't been paying attention if you still need to listen We did the San Diego 2013 show, we did the Phoenix 2000 show, and then we did last week the Sacramento 1995 show, and here we are. The whole plan for this month of May was to kind of catch up on a series of shows that we had a couple shows done for it, and then we had a couple that we didn't. And now it's time to catch up, because this whole month of May... Look, and we got lucky with this, that I'll explain in a second, but this whole month of May, we are doing the Vault Series shows that we haven't covered before, and today, like I said, lucky, we're doing the Great Western Forum, because in a couple days, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, that's exactly where they will be for a two-night stay. Like I said, can't get much better than that. (laughs) Randy Sobel over here, John Ferrar over there.
2: Hello, yeah, that's good timing, I like how that worked out. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to be in this building. Right. Very shortly. It's it's crazy to think that it's here. Like we waited this long and it's here.
0: Yeah. And you know what? It's sort of, it sort of felt normal. It it, it feels like there's been hype and anticipation, but there hasn't been like the nervousness. And I don't know if that kind of comes with seeing cause we're recording this before San Diego happened. So I don't know if it comes with seeing people there and kind of trying to find feeds. And you know, the, the minute that I see things for merch, like that's when it's just like a, a cautious anxiety happens over me that I'm like, Oh, there's, there's merch news. And, and like, it, it's a trigger inside me to think like, Oh, gotta go wait online at this point and like prepare myself for all that. And I don't know if that trigger really happened, and, and it, I think it's easier when my show is being at the end of this little leg here that I can kind of scope things out. But there are a lot of people that are going to these first couple, and they, I'm sure, are in that spot right now that are just like, "Holy crap! Like, let's it's it's now time we got to get back into this routine that we really haven't had for." Yeah, you know, four years since 2018. And even then they weren't following them around the country. It was an arena tour. You have to go back to 2016 to have any of that.
2: Yeah. I think you, you know, you had a little tease last year too, with going to see here now. So you kind of uh-huh. like, you've dipped your toes in the water a little bit, mm-hmm. but now it's, it's time to dive right in.
0: Which we are. And I think that, Look, I've mentioned this on the show before that the biggest disappointment about this show is that we haven't been able to do what we intended to do. And that is to be able to react to shows and be on tour and being able to meet people. And that was the whole kind of purpose for this podcast and putting it together And really, you know, see here now we were able to do sort of some of that, but there was also some cautiousness with with COVID and everything like that. And I know that COVID is now spiking in a lot of areas, including California. So, of course, there's some carefulness that needs to be taken down there. But yeah, I, I think now we're kind of settled in. We're kind of settling in and we can really start to do what we always intended to do and that's take this on the road. I'm very excited and the idea for a documentary will kind of, I guess, sort of imitate that. And yeah, like, what can I say? You know, it, it, first of all, it's seeing them. Second of all, it's meeting everybody and just being around the atmosphere. And And third of all, it's just a trip you know it's if you like touring around the country and going to places that you've never been i've never been to california before never been to vegas so this is all new stuff that i'm seeing and it's all new experiences and all of people that i'm gonna really enjoy my time with so yeah ready for all of it <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to be stuck
2: here, you know, kind of living vicariously through all of it, through everybody's videos and streams and, and posts. So even for those of us, you know, and some of you out there would like me, like you're not going to this, you may have tickets for later on or maybe you didn't get tickets at all, but just the fact of like sitting down and like finding the streams and watching it and following setlist and all of that is I'm excited just for that part again, just to feel, you know, the excitement of it again and and start following it just to see what happens. You know, we, we talk about these shows every week. It's going to be very, very cool. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it happen again in real time.
0: Let's talk a little bit about our plans as a podcast and our plans as a website, too, because we've been mentioning it every week, but now I think we need to really kind of explain, because I think maybe sometimes when we get to the Patreon aspect of the show, there are people that are like, okay, get me back into the story of the show, which I, I, look, I don't blame you at all, but I just want to explain to everybody what's going to be happening and... I think let's, let's take it from the website aspect first. Like we've been saying this for so long, this is going to be the place to be if you want tour coverage and if you want tour news. And I don't know who's been following along in the past week. I ask you guys to keep checking in and keep a bookmark on it because there really is this whole past week we've had something brand new up on the page, whether it's been an article about the fantasy leagues that we've done or I wrote something on milestones that Dave Jantash from LiveFootsteps.org helped me with, and then we had one that Mark Kirby wrote about five songs that he thought would be continued to be played and five songs that he thought would be offset list. So we tried to ramp up a lot of content for this and really get hype for this tour, and I don't see a lot of other places doing this and building the excitement for it. So, the goal here is that after every show, obviously, it's not going to be every morning when you wake up, you know, from the East Coast. If you wake up at seven o'clock on the East Coast, that's five hours after the show is going to end. Like, we're not going to get it to you that quickly, unfortunately. But maybe on day one, we will. We'll, we'll try to figure something out to really get San Diego stuff. And again, if this is Wednesday, you're listening to this Wednesday, go check live on fourlegs.com right now. There might be something up you never know just uh, like there might be coverage of it and just a review of what happened that night and some details and things like that so people and i know social media is just bombarded with people talking and stuff like that but is it really bombarded with the stories well they kind of get disconnected sometimes if you want the full story the concertpedia is going to be the place where we're going to be able to tell them
2: yeah i'm really looking forward to to seeing how those play out and, you know, whether it's you and I doing it, if, you know, if we can find live streams and things like that, we'll be, we'll be doing our best. But if we can, you know, we've got people, part of the podcast family that are going to every show. So we'll be counting on them. And I just can't wait to like feel that excitement that comes through the the writing and the reviews when it's immediate like that like it's gonna be so different than writing about stuff that happened in 2013 or 2016 Ooh. or even earlier than that because you've got a distance from it. these are going to be fresh and i just can't wait to to see what comes out and what people are putting down and what happens at these shows
0: absolutely on that because yeah we're doing all of what hasn't been done before in kind of reverse a little bit you know i think right now some of the 2013 stuff is slowly starting to get put out and that's interesting for a lot of people that went to those shows or didn't go to those shows and wants to learn more that's great but everybody wants to know what's going on now and we want to talk about what's going on now the most because we haven't had a now in so so long so just trying to take advantage of all that let's talk about podcast wise and what we're doing podcast wise because obviously you get on your feed today and you see that great western forum is up there and it's not a san diego review or anything like that tomorrow we'll have the review because like you said we are on the East Coast, the shows are on the West Coast, so it creates this sort of disconnect where the shows are gonna end at like 2, 2.30 in the morning over here. And while I expect to be up for some of them, it's impossible to be able to record a podcast that night and have it out for the morning. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna record it the night after and then put it out immediately in the morning. Now let's explain some of this. So. The San Diego one will come out tomorrow on the 5th and that will be to all the normal platforms. After that, they're all going to our Patreon account. And the reason why that we're doing that is because for so long, that's what we had promised to the people that were so kind enough to donate and put in their time with our patreon that was the big thing that we promised for them that we would get them exclusive instant reaction content and like we said the whole entire time look it's about getting the content it's not about the donation it is a subscription service and that does help us out a lot but For $1 or for $10 for the whole entire year, for all the tour reaction stuff, that is going to get you exactly what you want if that's what you're looking for. So we want to be able to kind of make this stuff as approachable as possible. And I think because there are so many people, we have over 130 patrons right now, just like kind enough to pitch in as little or as much as they please. And this is such a a small thing that that we do that people that are interested in this, that want to donate to to what we're doing is just, again, still kind of wake ourselves up from this. But I, I think it would be unfortunately detrimental to them if we didn't give them something as a thank you. So that's not to say that we don't want to give you guys something as a thank you. I think that what we'll, perhaps do is we'll kind of do like the San Diego and then we'll do like a mid tour review. And then we'll do an end of tour review. If that's sort of satisfies the whole thing. And, and if you can't contribute over there right now, then trust me, we totally understand. But after every show, look, it'll be the two LA nights and then we'll do one where we'll record and review both of those two LA and then we'll do one for Phoenix and we'll do one for both Oakland's and kind of on and on and on and on. So, It'll all be over there. And again, like if that's what you're looking for content-wise, I think it's worth it. And I I guess it's bias coming out of both of us. But I, I feel like we are indebted to the people that are so kind enough to donate to us that we can't stiff them on this. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, and you know, and we'll be talking about how the tour's going on the regular shows during this of part. But if you want like the real deep dive and you want the analysis and you want, you know, the, the instant reactions and stuff like that, then Patreon's the place to be.
0: Yep, absolutely. So patreon.com slash live and four legs or go to liveonfourlegs.com, which I hope you're all doing because that's important too, because all of that doesn't come with any sort of donation. You can go on that and basically get sort of the written version of what we're doing podcast wise, in a way. There's a button on every single page where you can click become a patron, you can do it that way. And again, anything is much appreciated from a dollar to $10 for the year, to the $5 tier to the $10 tier for the year or just for a month or something like that, that everything is appreciated. And look, if you like the content, then it's an added bonus for you. Again, all of it that we're doing is for your entertainment. That's it. We want to tell stories. We want to talk. So it's a good band to talk about, obviously. Alright, so hopefully you guys all enjoy that and hopefully we've built up the tour as big as humanly possible. However, like we mentioned before, this is a vault month so to speak. We're going to do the four of them that we haven't done. I believe we've done Moline. We've done the Moore theater one. We've done the DC constitution hall one. We've done Vic theater. Well, technically Atlanta has to be thrown in there too. We did Atlanta a very long time ago and there's one. Oh, Seattle 93. So we did all of those, and now we we only have four that we have to catch up on. Great Western Forum from 1998, this is the first of the two shows. They had never played at this legendary venue before going to these two shows in, in, in 1998. This is actually the return to Los Angeles for the first time in, I think, like six years. And you have to kind of go back because 1995... They did California, but they didn't do L.A. They didn't have a venue that wasn't a Ticketmaster venue in L.A. That's that's my guess, and they did San Diego, they did right. San Jose, and they did either more of the Northern California venues like Sacramento, like we did last week, or San Francisco, and then you have to go back to 1993, which they did play in Los Angeles, but those were really small kind of things where they only played a couple shit like they played at the Whiskey, and they only did a couple songs at the Whiskey. Nobody really knows what that story is, and nobody really knows the story of what happened when they played the Viper Room, either. There's no information on that, but that was after the 93 VMAs. You'd probably have to go back to, like, Irvine at Lollapalooza to really get an actual Los Angeles show, but they did a ton really, really early on in 91 and 92. Yeah. They they did a ton at that time, so this was exciting for them to get back to that spot.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge city, and, like, I think the talking point that we always bring up and like, you know, even people that go there is like, oh, the Los Angeles crowd is is the worst crowd in California. They've always had good crowds in San Diego. They always have good crowds in San Francisco. But the the talking point has always kind of been like, oh LA is kind of like a it's kind of a lazy crowd. It's a Hollywood crowd. But this show, I think, does not follow that narrative. I think this show we're going to find out, that we're going to talk about, has a really good crowd and a really energetic crowd. And this is a great show. I think they did a good job picking this to be a vault. That's going to be another thing we're going to talk about is is why this one.
0: Yeah, I I agree. This was a really good selection for the vault series. And, you know, there were some times where the crowd was audible and uh, and look, I don't have this vault, so I wasn't able to study it that way. Next week's another story. I'll get into that later. But I I didn't really get to study it like that. So I had to go off of YouTube and I it sounded like that was the vault audio a little bit, but it was tough to hear the crowd in some spots, but it wasn't like it was a bad crowd at all. However, you have to think of where they're playing. They're playing at the forum. You want to call it the Great Western? You want to call it the Fabulous Forum, as Ed would say at a point in this that, oh, don't call it this, don't call it that. And I believe it's called the Kia Forum now, which is just hmm. totally lame. If if you look at Pearl Jam's website, though, where it says the dates that they're about to play, it only says the forum. It doesn't have any sponsorship name to it.
2: Hmm. Interesting.
0: So, I think that goes to show the same sort of things that they were thinking in 1998. But yeah, that's, that's a legendary venue for music. It's a legendary venue for basketball. Like tons of Lakers championships oh, yeah. were won there. And you have to go back to like some of the early 60s shows that like early Rolling Stones shows that happened. Well, actually, this was the night before Altamont. Uh, now that I think about it, I, I, they played a show at the forum with like Ike and Tina Turner and BB hmm. King, I believe. So, like, that was massive. That was a massive moment. And there have been. Ed will mention in the show that that the Who played there, and of course, you know, mentioning that that X and Tenacious D opening up for them, which we'll get into a little bit later as well. Like both being kind of Los Angeles acts that never played there before, was very important to them. So yeah, this is this is a pretty big deal that they're playing this place.
2: You know how they're. Connected to NBA and basketball, I was watching this thinking like, oh, you know, they're thinking about Match Johnson and Kareem and Worthy yeah. and like all those guys. Yeah, like they had to be in the forefront of their minds.
0: It's too bad Sweet Lou wasn't written at the time because you think yeah, it would have had a yeah. chance to be played there in a
2: couple of years. Yeah, yeah.
0: And honestly, if they didn't do it at Ohana, maybe you could kind of see a world where they would have done it. And I, I, I don't think they will. I think after Ohana, they were like, yeah, this, this is a reminder that this never happens again. So I don't think they will do it this this weekend in LA, but crazier things have happened, I suppose. Any other thoughts like this is, you know, early 1998. This is the first leg of the tour and kind of at the end, I think it ends on the 22nd when they go up to Seattle. So it's still very early on in the Cameron era. Yeah, it's still
2: still very early. I mean, he'd only been in the band for, what, two months at this time. Barely. Yeah. Yeah, barely. So, still getting... I mean, they hadn't quite opened up the set list like they would later on. Like, you know, this is a show where you're not getting a lot of deep cuts here. They're not quite there yet, but... I mean, there's there's a couple here that I think might be in the running for best versions ever. So it's going to be something definitely worth the effort to to go and seek out that vault if you if you don't have it, or definitely an occasion to break it out if you haven't listened to it in a while. This is kind of one I think is is underrated a little bit. You know, if you you think of vault shows, this might not be the first ones you, that you think of, but right. it's up there as far as quality and just a fantastic show.
0: It's fabulous, I suppose. Let's get into it now it kind of creeps in with Sometimes that's the opener of this show. And, you know, I kind of felt like with this version of Sometimes, and you don't really feel like this way with Pearl Jam openers, this was just sort of like a real quick, let's do like a little tune-up. Let's do a little warm-up song before getting, usually it's like, let's kind of hit an emotional edge. Let's let's really kind of knock them down before we really get to knock them down. But this was just, felt really quick. It was just, them getting loose, them getting familiar with the surroundings, because I'm sure they go out on stage for this and, you know, looking around and they're like, okay, all right, look at the banners, you know, we're, we're here, you know, it's, it's a pretty big deal. So I, I, it felt, it felt like it was just their way to get their feet wet with this.
2: Yes, I agree. Again, that's the thing with Matt being new. It's like, let's ease him into this and figure out, you know, they're still kind of working with a tight set list, like I mentioned. So, It's not like they can go bust out something crazy to start with i'm i'm sure ed probably wanted to you know we'll see what happens this weekend when they go out there if there's any reference to that but you just want to get your feet wet like i said and yeah this, this gets going real fast
0: you know it's we might as well make note of it now but they did played the the forum in 2006 and one of those shows I believe was the set list that Patrick Warburton put together I don't yeah. remember which night it was but I believe it was one of those two shows Cool, that makes sense that'll be some at some point in the future when when we can get Patrick Warburton on the show Then, <laughs> that's because the we reason. need to get him to talk about how he put a set together so we're, yeah. we're holding on to that one anybody have any connections live on four legs podcast at gmail.com hit us up please all right All right, now we're about to get into the good stuff. Corduroy, uh, it's just got this, the build in the beginning, just very methodical. It gradually gets there, it gradually builds, and and then in the big moments, you hear like a sudden soar at one point. You're like, okay, now this is going. It wasn't like it was going before. It was just building to that moment where it was just taking off.
2: That, that stands out to this is Stone. Stone is feeling it on this, and like sometimes is had like a nice kind of groove to it where it, it had kind of a build and then it kind of fell down and it was kind of like, like I said, like a little warm up. But Corduroy, you know, the starting this section, all these songs are fantastic, and there's even a moment where Jeff and Ed kind of go back to Cameron and playing off him a little bit. And, you know, we always talk about how they do when they're kind of trying to, they're locked in and you could tell right from the beginning, Corduroy 1998 is is one of the best, and yeah, just a fantastic version. This is one of the highlights of the night.
0: We have to mention, you mentioned Stone, and it's the duck waddle uh, strumming, it's the bunny hops, and you know, I, I missed it, and I watched this twice, and I missed it on the second turnaround. I can't remember what song it was, but McCready, for like about five seconds or so, is imitating the duck waddle. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what song it was, but uh, he looks over yeah. at Stone. He's like, "Quack quack quack!" He does it for mm. a second. I don't know if he got a laugh out of him or not, but yeah, and I I, I believe it was intentional. But oh, I'm yeah, sure, yeah. You know, Ed's voice is a really good conversation for the show. I thought his voice was excellent at this, and. Oh. You know 1995 he's throwing 100 mile per hour fastballs and of course fastballs are you know everybody likes the strikeouts but the finesse pitchers are always the ones in the end that kind of shock you the ones that get it done and I feel like at this show he was still throwing heat he was still throwing 99 100 but he was starting to put in some change-ups with his voice he was starting to use some sliders and starting to find some other pitches where he was able to kind of build that rasp but you think of a corduroy back in 1995 it had all rasp it had nothing but scream and holler here he's able to switch it up and i think that's the big difference between what was happening then what's happening now and why he's able to kind of still reserve his voice a little bit now
2: 98 there was a maturation going on and he's getting in his 30s now you can't push it like you did before but he picks his spots he picks good spots, obviously. All right. This quarter or two, I mean, you talked about you know Cameron still being the new guy here. He has a part during the build up to the solo that you would have thought he'd been playing the song since the very beginning. It's oh just yeah, spot on, perfect.
0: Yeah, Matt was great in this. There's another moment that I noticed some some point in the show where he had a fill, and you're like, this feels like he's been there for since day one. Like yeah. it feels like a perfect match. So. Corduroy, great. Hell, hell is following up. Another excellent performance. I feel like so many songs at this show have matched very close to being what their top performance is or like have kind of raised above the bar, whether it's different or not from any other performance is sort of irrelevant, but good songs are good songs. That's how I put a lot of this show together was that I might have heard a very similar version to this one before, but it doesn't matter because that version that I had heard before was pretty damn good and so was this.
2: Yeah, this sets the bar very, very high. And there's one song that's going to come up later in the set that's a little rough that kind of doesn't match up to the rest of them, but it's just one little dip and then it gets right back up. But, oh, hey, hell, oh, Like, there's a part where Jeff in the bridge, he's doing a lead that follows the vocals. I've never heard this before, but he's... He's like matching Ed's vocals on the bass, like following the same riff, and it's just amazing. I don't know if that's an improv that he's doing or if that's something he's done before and I've just never noticed, but it's just perfect. And then he goes over and rocks out with Cameron. There's a bunch where he is bouncing up and down like it's five or six years earlier.
0: Jeff has a very energetic show. Mike has a very energetic show here. Must we mention that Mike is wearing a skirt? Fan of cross-dressing. Yeah. This is, this is a good one to watch. Do you know how often or if he had done this often? Because it feels like there are a couple times here and there, but this is the first one that I've seen that, that he has a skirt on. You know, going back
2: and, you know, reading through Five Horizons, you'll see it pop up occasionally. I can't think of a specific one. All right. Hell
0: Hell takes you into two yield after this, and, and it's really not fair to put them together, so I'm not going to. They both deserve their own space. A lot of these songs deserve their own time in the sun here. Especially this one, it's Brain of J. And just that beginning, to get it in the beginning, that, that Mike is just strumming a couple chords out before actually starting the chords. It's just kind of like a, a small anticipation builder, like, okay, what is that? Oh, okay, we know what that is. And right out of that, you hear Ed say, back into the left, back into the left. It's, of course, a clear reference to Keith Hernandez and the Magic Loogie, of course. Everybody knows that. No, it is it is obviously the JFK reference for yeah. this being the JFK song. But I said before that there's some finesse to Ed's voice. This one, he's, he's throwing fastballs. This one is a full fastball song. He has the fierceness in his voice on this, and it's just absolutely perfect time for just absolutely perfect versions of this and you know how you for some songs you're like okay where's the one which one is the one and for brain of j it's tough because there's no like moving pieces it is what it is you need to find the right amount of energy bottled up this is really close if it's not it i, I, I still feel like i have to listen to 100 more but this is very very close this is the one for me. Like I've
2: never heard a, a version as good as this one. I, I would put this up as the number one performance of Brain of J, hands down. Yeah, look, it's, like it's I got, said, it's got everything you want. Like when it, when it hits that bridge, it's like the wave crashing like right there. It's that good. Like I don't think they've ever played it as good as this.
0: Yeah, and, and look, I want to go back and listen to all 129 versions to really figure this out and really solidify in my brain that this one is the best, but Oh, if it's not top three, then I don't know why we haven't talked about other Brandon J performances being absolute lights out. Because to me, I don't think you can do better than this. Stone Solo is blistering. I think this might have been the one that I mentioned. Matt's fill in between the bridge. Mind-blowing. Incredible. Yeah, one of the best one of the best and I'm not ready to say it's the one but boy I'm 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 giving it the rose it's it's <laughs> it's it's going on to the next round let's put it that way and then in hiding comes next and you know in hiding may have started off a little tentative at the start but as it goes it fills out and I think the intention of course is to really build up towards the massive moment of course the massive moment in hiding is the chorus ed's voice is angelic on this it is pristine it's perfect it's soaring and it even has a little echo on it to make it sound fuller to make it sound bigger kind of how it is on the record and like we said there's some songs in this there where he's gonna growl or you're gonna hear that growl and there's gonna be songs where you're going to hear the best of his singing voice this might be the best example of that
2: Like backstage before the show, they were like, you hey guys, let's just go play every song perfectly, let's just play everything better than we've ever played it before. Guys, are like, All right, well, sounds good to me, let's just do it. So, all of these songs, it's like these are all top performances, and like you see, yes, like this, this set list doesn't have the rarest of songs, there's not the deep cuts that you're gonna find, but. They picked it because they know, listening back to this, that like every song, with the exception of one, is performed better almost than they've ever done it before. This is just top notch. And these first five, like, there's not a bad moment, not even an average moment, in the bunch. Like, this is all just fantastic, A plus, top to bottom.
0: As far as the way that the set is constructed, what songs they decided to choose, it's not like you can really pick a song that's sort of a downer, but there is no quote unquote down moments in this, if you know what I mean. Like it's, yeah, all and it's, it's balanced positive energy. energy. Well, too,
2: this main set especially has a very good balance. Like two ten songs, three verses, three vitality, three no code, and a bunch of yield. Like for the new record, like you're getting a mix of everything that they've done up to that point. It's just masterclass.
0: Yup, In Hiding, absolutely a part of that, along with it like, we're just gonna can, kinda continue on this train. If we have to be a broken record about it, then we'll be a broken record, but look, we won't break the vault. Let's just put it that way, we won't break the vault on this. What I noticed, and I mentioned before, that I didn't think that there were too many crowd moments, but definitely after In Hiding, there was a big one, so you're getting that momentum, and I don't know if they expected to have that after In Hiding, but, You do, and then you're going into even flow right after that. And think of that energy that's built up from everything that's happened up until that point. And then you get a big song moment.
2: Yeah, I think, you know, after the two new songs, I mean, that's very well done to go back and be like, okay, here's one that you know, but... This isn't a paint-by-numbers even flow. This isn't, like, 2010's even flow where it's like, okay, well, Mike's going to do his thing for a few minutes and Ed's going to take a break. Mike Solo, it's like he knows that, like, they're on a good wave right now and he knows that they're in a good groove. the solo is less than a minute long on this he's yeah. like i'm gonna get in and get out and we're gonna keep it moving because we i just can't wait to get to the next thing like if he had done a two or three minute solo here it might have kind of killed the momentum that they had I, but he's you like know no i'm just gonna ride this and get in and get out
0: that's exactly i think why a lot of people have a problem with even flow because it is too long and the solo just lasts for a long time not to say that it's not not amazing but it's because I think you kind of expect that 30 song set to happen and you're just waiting right. in that interim, like six, seven minutes, eight minutes, upwards to 10 or 11, that it could just take a long time to get to that moment, especially if you're following them around on tour. This is the ninth time you've seen even flow. You can kind of be rolling your eyes. You know, I don't think you should. I don't think you should take the bathroom break, but. Yeah, there is a sweet spot for the solo, and I think this has it. Absolutely, not extended for five minutes or anything, but yeah, yeah, right,
2: right there. Like, imagine if this weekend they come out and the even flow solo is less than a minute long.
0: People would be like, I don't think oh, it would happen. No,
2: no, but like different. Like, oh my god! Like, yeah, like get in and get out, man. Like, oh, this is a, a standout too. The, the the ten songs here, I think, you know, it's not something you normally think of, of being the highlights in a at a 1998 show,
0: but the ten songs here are all very good. All right, ed takes the mic here and thanks x and thanks tenacious d and it's very funny to talk about tenacious d i'm going to make up a reference in a second that's going to be totally totally obscure but tenacious d isn't really tenacious d yet they're just kind of a yeah. funny duo no, there nobody knew them duo.
2: yeah no this is pretty like, high fidelity like jack black mm-hmm. wasn't a big star like they preschool school rock up, and all that. The, the Five Horizons review just mentions like, oh, it's these two funny guys with acoustic guitars. Right. Like, yeah. I, hey, how about that? And like, yeah, nobody knew who they were. You might have.
0: You might have knew who they were if you saw the movie Biodome. Yes, I brought up Biodome. Maybe one of the worst movies of all time. I have I not haven't seen this movie, of- so. Yeah. You've never seen By- – well, it's a Pauly yeah. Shore and yeah, Billy yeah, yeah. Baldwin
2: movie. Like, yeah. it's pretty awful. That's why I've <sighs> never seen
0: it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, I was, what, 10 when it came out, so that's right in a wheelhouse for a 10-year-old. Yeah, it's one of the worst movies of all time, but I remember it because – their little section in it, they were like, you know, on a college campus, like playing their, their guitars. And they were like, yeah, we got to save some trees, got to save some trees. And I think I didn't even know about that until a friend was like, yeah, go back and look at it, you know, back in early 2000s when, you know, somebody had the VHS of it might've been me. (laughs) I don't have it anymore. Let's put it that way. And then you see them right there. You're like, holy shit that was what, like eight years before that time. So, yeah. 96. Right. Yeah. So they were kind of nothing then and, and sort of figuring it out and look, they had their own movie. They had their own show. Jack black, of course, well, well known. And uh, Kyle gas is honestly a really, really great guitar player. I don't think he gets enough credit for being as good as he is. He's, he's phenomenal. The things he does on acoustic guitar should not be done by human beings. Let's just put it that way. But yeah, Give Tenacious D their credit. It says, I'll say something I haven't said in a long time. Hello, Los Angeles. Like we said before, I haven't really played Los Angeles proper, even though they're in Englewood. I don't know all the suburbs or anything like that, but we'll leave it at that. It's the forum. It's fabulous. To us, it's fabulous. It's not Great Western. It's not Mutual Omaha. It's not Butterfinger. hope it wasn't called the Butterfinger Forum. <laughs> it's just the fabulous form. It's nice to be here. Since we were last here in this town, we wrote a bunch of other songs and we're going to play them for you. This one is called and kind of gestures over to McCready. He's like, eh, well, obviously. So the next three, this is really like you're, you're sandwiching even flow between two yield songs in front and two yield songs behind it. So given a fly MFC, and then not for you is going to kind of be the anchor of those two. And I think given a fly Pacing sweet spot we talk about that all the time how this was really the time where it was getting highlighted and getting played It sort of still the way that Jack would play it But Matt was starting to kind of figure out how to make it his own so the pacing is still right very good given to fly MFC felt very quick. It was kind of soft and easy at first. And then kind of a little bit closer to what the album felt like. And then sort of, again, sandwiched in between these two, it doesn't really get a highlight. However, I think the highlight of these three is easily not for you.
2: Yes, I agree. Given to fly again. Fantastic. 1998 given to fly. It's perfect. MFC. I noticed too. And like, The video's a little bit grainy, but you can tell I would know this guitar anywhere. I've never seen Ed play a Rickenbacker before, but he's playing one on MFC, and it sounds very, very good. Didn't we Um, talk about him playing a Rickenbacker
0: recently? Like, on a recent episode?
2: Maybe, but, like, this is new for me. Those guitars are so iconic, and, like, the look of them is so unique, but the sound on them is just incredible, and, like... You can tell when he starts that MFC riff that, like, oh, yeah, this is the guitar sound that you've been waiting for on this. But, yeah, MFC is just fast and tight. Like, again, one of the the best versions. I mean, they picked this for a reason. Somebody knew what they were doing when they went back to this one. But, yeah, it all leads up, again, to Not For You. When Not For You gets to that quiet part, like, again, the groove that they find themselves in. Like, I know I've said that, you know, for a lot of these songs, but, like, just locked in completely. And another stone solo that just tears the roof off. And then that original outro that, you know, Modern Girl had not been written yet, so we, we don't have that. But I just love This Not For You Again. One of the, one of the best ones I've heard in a long time.
0: What I'm going to mention about Not For You is this, is that at that time, I don't think it could happen now to Not For You. I think that when it comes up now, it's sort of a nostalgia moment, but this is so close to Vitalogy that in this spot right here, the nine spot, which usually at most shows now you expect either Flow" or A Daughter to go in, this is kind of taking the place of like a number one hit song. And I think it's earned it, and I think it's deserved it because of sort of coming off of the time. And obviously 1998 is a little bit less tense for the band, but it's still one of those that kind of brings out that 1995 energy, 1994 energy out of it. So to me, the masterclass of setlist creating, they put this here to be a highlight in the set and that's what's so incredible about this version For you says, thanks. That wasn't for you, by the way, but this one is. And that gets into wish list, which is going to be followed up by Jeremy do the evolution and distant, which we'll all kind of get into a package in just a second. Wishlist does have the disco ball, which gets a huge pop from the crowd after the first course. And, you know, I, I think there's a tie in here when Ed says this one is for you, that he says as fortunate as you I don't know if that was on the spot or or what, but he makes the connection there, I think. Ed does the whole Ebo thing at the end and then does a little bit of an improv, which he doesn't quite land some lyrics at first on the first time around, but second try he does. Yeah, he
2: can't think of of anything to say at first. Like, you know, sometimes it would get political or it would be kind of sweet. And, like, I think he was just going through, like, I'll come up with something, and then, like, nothing's there. But then he ends up talking about X, which is always a good fallback.
1: I wish I was in a place
0: often, especially in 1998, this is just the tour for them opening up for their heroes from Iggy Pop to Cheap Trick to Sonic Youth, Frank Black, whoever else like this is them opening up. Mud Honey. like Mud Honey, yeah, right. Was- heroes yeah. and friends. It's just it, it's great to have that privilege. Let's just put it that way. Jeremy, do the Evolution Dissident, rock-solid version of Jeremy. Great one to kind of pick back up on after Wishlist. You kind of dip down in the set a little bit after some really good energetic ones. Jeremy's going to bring you back up. However, the reason why I bring up Jeremy is only because everybody knows this. Everybody knows this from Live on Two Legs. And if you've been paying attention lately, we put out a deprogrammed, on the live compilations that came out this Monday. What that is, is we went through all five compilations and picked 20 songs apiece to narrow it down to 10 Pearl Jam live songs that you want to give to people to listen. This version of Do the Evolution, spoiler alert, did not make it very far. However, everybody knows how it starts. That's an old song, this is a new song, it's evolution, baby. You see how it works? This is another one where the batter gets into the box and Ed's like, Alright, I'm going to just smoke 100 mile per hour fastballs at you and you're going to swing and and miss every single time. That's what this version of of Do The Evolution does. It's just fast, it's fierce, has every great aspect to Do The Evolution in it. And we've been listening to it for so long. It's been such a high spotlighted moment for 24 years that it's just undeniable yeah
2: I 100% agree one of the best and like watching the video too you get to see Ed kind of dancing around at the end and another fantastic stone solo like the great stone show as well when it's a good stone show it's a good everyone show and those are often some of the best and like even near the end of the song, he's up at the front of the stage, which you almost never see. That's right. He usually kind of hangs back by his amp and like stays in his little zone. He's out in front at the end of this, like, yeah, give me the spotlight. So, yeah, absolutely a highlight. We're 12 songs in at this point. Probably 10 or 11 of them could be highlights, big moments from the show. This is just nonstop so far
0: thing that I really noticed about Stone in the solo sections, both of them, I always mention the tone of his guitar and how definitively Stone Gossard it is, and I thought that this version was exactly exemplifying it. It feels a little bit clean, it feels a little bit crisp, and has that little twinge of a buzz somewhere in there. It's got a little bit of that dirt on it, however, it has kind of a clean outer, but like sort of an interior of this got some intensity and this got some bite to it. So, yeah, Stone is definitely a highlight in a lot of these songs. And I think Yield might even be one of his best oh, records sure. to play yeah. on, so... I, yeah, yeah, I'm
2: not a guitar expert. But I would be interested to see, you know, someone who knows more about, you know, guitar, kind of technical aspects of things. I 100% agree on, like, his tone and everything, but there's also has, like, there's a weight to it and, like, a resonance to it. And I wonder if that comes from, like, how he plays. There's got to be something, like, some talent, something unique in the way that he plays. Like I said, like, it's something where you can tell, like, yeah, that that's Stone. We kind of glossed over Jeremy, but Stone and Mike on Jeremy just... A plus fantastic. Just putting on a, a guitar clinic, the two of them together. It's very, very well done.
0: Following those two dissidents is there. I had really no notes on dissident if we wanna just kind of it's a It's buzz a big crowd by.
2: reaction kind of a little bit. And it Yeah, you know, it's it's a radio song at that yeah, point, of course. And it had Absolutely. it had a little tension to it. Like it usually dissident is sometimes kind of loose and like a little playful a little bit, like they kinda like don't take it as seriously, but this one felt tight and like felt like they were on the front foot on it and like yes he does the little spoken part at the outro but it's not it, it didn't bit. seem thrown off it didn't seem lazy it felt like he was kind of pushing it a little bit this is this is a very good version of dissonant
0: i i don't know i think dissonant is where i guess my mind sort of wandered a little bit in the set but it picked right back up i feel like present tense isn't a 1998 song at all when you think of, like, present tense in the eras that it was prominent in, of course, 1996, which it didn't get played a lot in 1996, but when it did, it turned heads. But, like, it's more like 2006, what they did with it in 2006, and how it becomes the the crowd song then, and, and it's it's really a, a late bloomer in that aspect. But 1998, they're still on top of it during this. Like, this is just so delicate and so deliberate to start, and then it just has that perfect burst once it gets into that second chorus, and the drums really kick in, and you get the gas on it, oh, it just, Ed's waking you up at that first, like, freaking phenomenal. The big build in the bridge, too, gets really tense and very epic, and this is where Matt's just kind of holding back a little bit before it explodes, and then he's putting on the gas, It's just very good. Also, on this, Ed has his guitar on the whole entire time, which usually doesn't happen he usually puts it on once they get to the bridge in this but this this one he had his guitar on the whole way <laughs> this one for me
2: is the one that i felt like missed a little bit I mean, he's really he's mumbling at the beginning like he for, he kind of forgets the words a little bit like he's not confident and then it's it gets a little rough early on they do pick it up like everything you know everything you said from the you know the bill and the outro, all that stuff is fantastic. They do get to it and and get to a good space with it, and it does end up being a very good version, but it's not gonna be one where you're gonna be like, this is one of the best versions of Prison I've ever heard. It doesn't live up to the high bar that the rest of the set was setting, I think.
0: They only played it 11 times on the US legs, so, and this being the third, and probably the third time that they ever did it with Cameron, so I can see that there would be some growing pans with it, but, Look, I loved when it was able to explode. I was in on it the whole way. I didn't see any of that sort of struggle that you were talking about. And I even kind of heard a little bit of something with the bass at the end. Did you hear what Jeff was doing at the end with that? It felt different. Hmm, but I couldn't no, hit, put, put my back finger course. on that. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought it was an excellent performance. I really, really liked this version of the present tense. Now we get to the final three of the main set. And these are just... I don't think you can ask for better final three to close a show in 1998 or to close a show nowadays. I think we talked about a set that closed with rear view mirror into go at some point. I don't remember That's when it right. was. Yeah. And I think I remember really liking it then. And it was just a reminder in this show how much I really, really loved it. And of course, spin the black circles on the front of that, which this is just a three-headed monster, to finish this up. Jeff and Mike are jamming a lot at this show, and I think Spin the Black Circle was the one that you were able to kind of see them get together and, and really start to gel. And then, of course, at the end... Ed wrestles Mike to the ground this is kind of like what we were talking about back in Den Hog or Utrecht show where yep. Ed was just wrestling Mike uh, during a solo or something like that and Mike didn't miss a beat and then Ed actually starts to spin him around just like the vinyl record the, the, That's right. the, the
2: v- of all vinyl that you should be breaking out and listening to after this
0: everything comes full circle folks <laughs> see what I did there very very good version very good version of spin the black circle and going into river mirror i think this was very similar to another one that we've covered recently that i I was feeling a lot of like kind of who vibes from it i i don't think that this was the one that sort of sounded like uh, we won't get fooled again that i'd brought up but it sort of had almost like that that pete townsend twinkle in his guitar, if you know what I mean. Like it, it had that vibe to it. And then of course the, the roller coaster ride to, to get to the end and build to that is, is very, very good. And I think that the ending, what's making the big lasting impact would be how they're just jamming out with the strobe light going on. I think it's, it was a great visual back then. It's a great visual. Now it's something that stuck around throughout the, the duration. They're just phenomenal visuals.
2: Yeah. I think the bridge here, and you know, you talked about, you know, mentioned Sonic Youth, opening some of these shows on this tour this one the bridge was very introspective and it got real quiet at one point it had a little bit of like sonic youth vibes to me like not when they get like you know weird and noisy but sonic youth can do that they get got those dynamics where they can get kind of quiet and bring things down this sounded like that it wasn't like a big triumphant rearview mirror it felt very like of enclosed and insular a little bit but again still very good
0: i think most people that kind of understand the trends that might be in the crowd or might be listening to this on a boot think rearview mirror and then let's see what they got next after a little break but no we're finishing off with go this is I think it, it is beating the expectation of what you kind of know from Pearl Jam sets to be and then also the emotional roller coaster that rear mirror is on a nightly basis where when it ends a set you're sort of drained you're sort of wiped out but going into go is almost like a, a very quick adrenaline boost right after rear mirror and it feels like that picks you up right away and puts you back into like just a fired up energy and i'm not saying that river mirror doesn't i, I think river mirror is a lot heavier of a song where it because it lasts longer goes like a, a two and a half three minute song river mirror can go on for like six seven minutes i, I think that the difference there is that it's almost tired like you're captivated the whole time it's almost tiring but go wakes you up right away and puts you in the state of like Whoa, how fast was that? They just rip through it and then they leave. I think that fires you up and that gets you kind of back to a more energetic sort of mindset going into the encore.
2: Yeah, rear view mirror is kind of controlled chaos a little bit. Like it does get chaotic at the ending with, you know, with everything kind of, especially the drums, just speeding up, speeding up, and going, going, and like built so that amazing ending, but it does feel very controlled. It feels like you're on this ride, you know what's coming in. Go is just unleashed chaos from the very beginning, especially we've talked a lot about Stone and Jeff and Ed, but Mike here, on go is just like okay guys like i got this one i'm gonna take this over and especially like when go closes the set you can count on it being a really big mic moment and it's like getting in one last punch before the bell rings right it's like rear view mirror you expect it to be like okay now we're gonna get a breath and then right as you think that here they come back with like this just sprint to the finish yeah it's just a very very well done i love when go closes sets it's always a highlight
0: And the boxing analogy is perfect there because the forum has held so many famous boxing matches too. Sure. So there you go. All right. We're at the encore now time to pause for station identification. Look, we talked in the beginning a little bit about what the Patreon content is going to be. And that is going to be the reviews and the recaps and like almost instant reaction. I think maybe we, we dub that series. Like you're almost in in 2022 (laughs) tour reaction. I think, When it comes to Europe, when we do Europe, because those are going to be in the middle of the day, I think we'll have more instantaneous reaction to those shows. And that's a little bit of, of a ways away, but we'll figure it out in between now and then. But... We have some people to thank this week because there were some very, very generous people that both joined Patreon and donated to Venmo, which is just helping out the documentary project that we're doing, which we're so thankful that people want to be involved with that and are interested in that. So let's thank some of the people that donate to Venmo first. And some of these are longtime patrons and some of these people I I had never heard before. So again, a lot of people want to pitch in. A lot of people want to help. So first of all, thank you to James Bateman for a very, very generous donation. Thank you so much. That was great. And we hope we get to see you out on tour. And then Jason Corbin, of course, has been a patron for since like the very, very beginning. And he's uh, like, he loves what we do and he's very, very supportive. So thank you so much to, to Jason. And we're hoping we get to see you out in MSG. And Amy Wynn. And Amy Wynn's another one that I seem to talk to at least once or twice a week. And and she's always asking questions about the show. And when you're asking questions about the show, that's exactly how you should be in taking the show is just have other questions to ask on top of things and think about the songs in different lights. That's the way to do it. So thank you very much, Amy. And then Maureen Osk, thank you very much to her too. Again, she sent me a very, very nice message saying that she sometimes falls asleep with her headphones on listening to us.
2: (laughs) Thanks guys. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I appreciate that so much.
0: Well, I know my voice isn't very soothing, but you kind of have more of a a gentler touch to you. I've done I've done some radio in the past. I got a little bit of that. I'm not I'm no Brandon Palomo, but I can hold my own a little bit. <laughs> well, yeah, it's look, I I mean, I've done my fair share too, but I think up here, you know, where radio and and sports talk radio is so prominent and just everybody shouting at one another, I think a hmm. lot of my style probably came from that. <laughs> I'll just say that much. Let's uh, thank some new patrons as well. Eric Stevenson Gonzalez, a great friend of the show, and he's been pitching in and helping the Live and Four Legs Concertpedia writings from the very, very beginning. He does a very good job, so I, I'm I'm so glad that he's on board with this and he's he's helping out. He's he's a great guy, so thank you very much, Eric. Vicky Castellanos, thank you very much to Vicky joining up on the Bonus Leg tier, and John, we have a brand new horizon to member. Can you believe that? Like that almost never happens. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Jeremy McBurney. And look, Jeremy, get in touch with us. You have an episode request for a show in the future that you're going to get, and you're going to get a profile episode at some point in the future as well. Stay in contact. Let's get all this stuff in for you because the quicker we get this information, the quicker I can put it onto the schedule, the quicker you'll be able to have what you're looking for. So again, huge thank you. Not a lot of horizon leg patrons kind of come through and it's just very humbling and, and everybody that decides to donate and and just take their time with this is just extremely generous and we can't thank everybody enough. Like I mentioned, it's over 130 people. That is Overly overwhelming and it just Every week that we come on here And we mention people it, I just like It grew from that to that in just A week and again Growth is is so important And we can't grow on our own Let's just put it that way we can't grow on our own So thank yeah. you to everybody doing that
2: Yeah thanks Eric and Vicky and Jeremy Make sure you go back in the in the Archives the Patreon archives check out all that content You can go to liveonfourlegs.com if you, if you log in you'll be able to Listen to everything there you can go on the patreon app and, and go find everything that we've done but you know hours and hours and hours and hours of content and hopefully you guys get a chance to go check that out. At
0: the very least hopefully you guys get to listen to the reaction episodes So if that's what you're there for then hopefully that'll make it worthwhile. One last thank you because it's it's really a mistake that I made last week. I, I had thanked one Laura Cushman last week when I should have been thanking a Lauren Cashman. I really botched that. I'm sorry. Lauren, who I got in touch with uh, last week, and very, very nice, very friendly, and can't wait to meet her in Toronto. Thank you very much for a generous donation as well. So Great. everybody, yeah, patreon.com slash one 4 legs if you want to join and get all those exclusive things that we were talking about before. And most of this month is going to be Instant reaction sort of stuff, or not so instant reaction sort of stuff, and then we'll get back to the late night series, we'll get back to evolution stuff a little bit later. Uh, that'll be still on our plate, we're still talking some things through, but yeah, right now, what you're going to want to be waiting for is the instant reaction from the shows. So, hopefully, you guys are going to enjoy that. All right, back to The Rock. Ed, after coming back on stage, says, All right, then I guess we should play here more often. But this is our last tour, so shoot. We've done it all. What's left? We've played with the form with X and Tenacious D. We're going to retire on top. A friend of mine named Mike Watt, who I call Watt, he gave me a book called The Alchemist, and it's about this idea that if you wanted something really badly, the whole world would conspire to make it happen. I'll quote a great fictional character by saying, you know what happened to the boy whose wishes came true? He lived happily ever after. That Was a Willy Wonka quote. This song is not about LA proper, but it's about Receder or something like that. And it's the longest title in our catalog: Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in the Small Town. is that it opens up with Stone sort of doing this beautiful blossom to it. And then then it kind of kicks in and it's, you know, I don't know what you would call that, just a beautiful melody that kind of takes you seamlessly into the song. This is sort of around the time where they were starting to do 1, 2, 3, 4, 2, 3, and I think that's what you get on the version that happened on Live on Two Legs. But you get this kind of version every now and again and when it comes up it's just a happy moment it's a beautiful way to get you into this song and sort of sets the tone and and not just sets the tone for the song but sets the tone for this four song run here too yeah
2: i mean you're getting a little bit of kind of the mellower songs here a little bit we've talked so many times about how they'll end with with something hard and come back with something hard and like 1998 was kind of a mix of like sometimes they would come back with the fast stuff sometimes they would come back with slow stuff but this, is when you're getting a little more of the gentler per side to come back on but for small town I think this was kind of the beginning of the big like hello you know crowd reaction and Ed even reacts to it here like when when the crowd like screams it back at him he kind of like does a little double take like oh, okay I, I hear you and especially you know live on two legs I think that was a big thing from this point on that became more of a thing i don't i don't think before this that was kind of as big a moment as as it became after you know this 98 tour
0: yeah and that's where the song kind of turns from just an acoustic sort of something different that pearl jam doesn't usually do in their sets to a song that is anthemic and i think that they were trying to have that balance within songs because we did a show from 1995 last week where the whole entire main set was nothing but just fast rockers, nothing but Mm -hmm. punk songs, and and they didn't have a lot of differentiation in there. But Small Town at this time is one of the few that they could kind of toss in and be like, okay, this is where the set list can be balanced. And not just that, like, how can we make it a moment where... The fans aren't saying that this is a transitional to get you into something better.
2: I have live footsteps pulled up when we're recording these, and sometimes, you know, something will jump out at me. And look at this, like, elderly woman from the Versus record. Up to this point, this is the 64th performance, right? I believe that, yeah. And look at something like Daughter, which we're going to talk about in a minute, also from the Versus record. This performance of Daughter that we're going to talk about is the 185th performance of Daughter. But then after this show, Elderly Woman's been played 400 more times.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
2: Daughter's only been played about 350 more.
0: When you find your way with a song and you sort of mature into a song, and I think that's a lot of what this was with the Elderly Woman, finding ways to mature into it then it kind of brings it all together so yeah i don't disagree with that at
2: all you got a little mini evolution on that we're gonna have to expound on that
0: at some point at some point i think everything is is going to have an answer to it so yeah absolutely better man follows this up what's interesting about better man and i think i've we've kind of gone back and forth with better man's the last couple weeks with ones that have had extended tags and then ones that have been the radio single. I think last week when we did it on Sacramento was just pretty straight up, but then a couple weeks before that had the, the Romanza tease and, and things like that, so it was a little bit different. Now, what you're going to get with this version of Better Man is, is the very, very early onset of Save It For Later. However... It's not the save it for later that you kind of expect nowadays, which is expand upon and really gets its own separate section in the song and and becomes this call and response thing. Instead, they sort of seamlessly transition into the lyrics and then kind of build in a way back and forth to the Don't Run Away part, but it's not anything that's intentional like it is now, if you know what I mean. Save it for later you will
2: If you go to Five Horizons, there's a review that someone had sent in who was there. And, you know, it, it's worth going to read. You know, this is someone I give a shout out to Darlene Patton. If she's out there listening, please uh, so. send us an email. Hi, Darlene. Uh, she, she wrote this review from Five Horizons back in the day. And when he talks about Better Man, Save It For Later, she says, Better Man, of course, got a huge reception. And the Save It For Later tag just extends the song incredibly. They should never stop doing that tag. Well, oh. good news, Darlene. They never they, stopped. They never it. stopped. And it's just kind of like they had just realized, you know, hey, this, the chords are the same. Like, we can kind of do this. And it's just kind of the Better Man jam with Save It For Later. And now, you know, it's evolved into this huge, you know, moment and like a big call and response thing and big, you know, windmilling, everything. And But this is just kind of like, oh, you're nice little tag. Yeah, it's interesting to see it. You know, at this point before it before it became a big thing, this is one of the first ones I think in seventeenth or eighteenth time. Looks like
0: you have to think even now what they did at Ohana. See here now, they right. added on the tag of people have the power. So. Right. You know, I would never say that the Save It For Later tag is over, of course not, but now they're thinking kind of in ways, and, and I think the Earthlings did it like that too, they're thinking now in ways like, okay, other things that we should be expanding upon the songs, but how else can we do it? So, although Save It For Later is probably never off the table, it's it's had this massive run and it sort of became the song within the song. And here, I, I think I like it best when it's just part of actual better man and it doesn't feel like a second song it doesn't Mm. feel like you need 10 minutes to make appropriate time for both songs if you know what i mean so yeah this kind of version is what i really really love out of it uh daughter comes next and this is just again stuff that just sounds good that fits and reaches the bar and exceeds it a little bit. Like, I think Daughter does exceed it, you know what I mean? Like, there have been other songs from this night that have reached that bar, that have felt very close to the average version or best version of this song, and and Daughter, I think, exceeds it, and a lot of it might be due to the tags that come in the end too but i think that the actual version of daughter really kind of picks up it has like a nice little progression on it and the soul is pretty cool you hear ed kind of call upon for michael kind of before that so i really like this version and i think that the tags are very interesting because the tags are, are songs that they never go back to but i have to ask a question first because the first couple lines that he's singing in this bars on your window mexican holding hands i couldn't find that lyric anywhere so is that an X thing or not?
2: Uh, let me see.
0: I couldn't find it on Google. I, I was not able to find that anywhere that I was looking. Because the other two that they're going to do here, uh, of course, in Pearl Jam Cannon, is The New World, which was played a lot in 2004 with Tim Robbins when they were doing the Vote for Change tours and things like that. Yeah, I, and, I must have missed The New World because I, I didn't hear any part of New World in this. Okay, he says uh, they must have been voted for a new president or something. That's the line he says. Okay. Yeah, it, it's in there. It's absolutely okay. in there. Cause yeah, it was tough to catch. Cause I think what yeah. happened was I was listening to the the bars on the window, Mexicans holding hands. I'm like, okay, what is that? And because they said that line real quick right after that and kind of went back to the bars on your windows part, it was real tough. Like you had to be kind of on the ball in order to pick it up and pick up Yeah, on cause it.
2: there's like, there's a bar line in the new world
0: right maybe he was kind of riffing on that bars weren't open this morning they must have been voting yeah. for and and that's the line before they must have been voting for a new president so i guess it's sort of tied to something hmm. with that but i it it feels like it's most likely an improv but it feels i don't know uh, maybe he was just roaming around a neighborhood and he yeah. kind of got that visual maybe yeah. it was something like that i i have no idea but Again, New World is in the Pearl Jam canon. Gets played full a lot in 2004, and then he also sings a little bit of "I Must Not Think Bad Thoughts," and really gets a big, massive belt out of that one, which was very, very good.
2: Really good underrated X song too. Like X is not one of the big, you know, kind of punk bands that got famous, but they might have been the best band out of those early kind of LA bands. They had a little bit of that of rockabilly feel and like. Exine and John Doe, very, very good. Like, those first four X records, like, hard to fuck with those. Like, there's a lot
0: of good stuff on there. And a song called Los Angeles, which we might have played as the intro to this episode. (laughs) Alive is going to finish out your first encore, and I think you cut to, you know, middle to end here, where Ed kind of just exhausts it, and he says, we made it, we're still alive. And I don't know what's going on in his mind when he says something like that, but I, I think it's just kind of still some of that sarcasm that sort of breaks out of him when whenever he hears the song. And, and while the curse isn't broken yet, I think that it's starting to break here when Matt Cameron joins, and the song really becomes something different.
2: I, I can see that. Yeah, a lot of, they had a little bit made peace with a little bit by 1998. Like I said, the, the curse hadn't been broken yet, but it was on the way up. This Alive, like the first solo, I think Mike's first solo was a little bit, I was I just, he was quite in the zone yet. Yeah, I agree. But the second one is, is much better. Okay. I think, right when the you get the, the War Pigs thing at yeah. the end.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, it just blasts out of the speakers the second one. Absolutely. yeah, 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 yeah. song and Encore 2 and Ed addressing the crowd right before they get into it said tonight X got to play in this building in their hometown for the very first time and then he kind of looks at the crowd he's like that guy's got a forum chair and it looks like he's taken home with him a souvenir for the occasion I might do that myself Tenacious D got to play the forum tonight. We got to play the forum, and and you did too. A long time ago, this band got to play here too, and we're going to play one of their songs. This show's going to close with Baba O'Reilly. And some of like, the echo on Ed's vocals that happened in, in Hiding comes back on this too. Sometimes you just sort of think about Bob O'Reilly being, you know, the the end and the party song and just kind of, okay, all right, show's over now, or it's really less of a bootleg moment and more of a you-got-to-be-there moment, but this version of Bob is really, really good. Just the way that the song soars, the way that the vocals soars well, like, you know, there's a lot of bunny hops happening on stage and just good fun had by all, of course, but It just feels like it's a big moment at this, and maybe it gets taken for granted a little bit now, because it's like, okay, either that or or Free World, and that's kind of the expectation, but back in 1998, it feels rare enough where people aren't getting this at normal shows, and also Bob O'Reilly considered back then, and still considered now, I hope, to just be like one of the best classic rock songs of all time so i think that this had more of a feel to it more of a bite to it and less like you know we just got to close out the night so to speak
2: oh yeah everyone's just going nuts on this version like this show doesn't feel like a ledbetter show like after this like after they put that performance out like you have to end this show on a bang and with Bob o'reilly like Just from the beginning, like I think the crowd too, just insane on this. And like, there's a moment too, I think, you know, going back to to Five Horizons says, and you see Ed do this, like he takes his, I think, what looks like his beer or water, and he's kind of pouring it over the stage. And we don't see it in the video, but in the review, it says that he does the the knee slide with the guitar, the classic, like, iconic Pete Townsend. Thing. But, you know, the strobe lights and everything and, like, the angle's not good. So I couldn't see it in the video. And then evidently he smashed his guitar.
0: Yeah, um, I, 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 I didn't is, see, the, I I didn't see yeah, that smash. Is. But at, at, at the end, his guitar is sort of, like, draped over his back. And yeah. it kind of looks like it's a little limp. So, yeah, I, I didn't get to see that. But one thing I, I, I sort of forgot, I mentioned the echo in his vocals. It it had some adultery to it. It really oh, did, it. did. It really did have some daltrey, and I know that the vocals are a, a lot more growling. And daltrey has a very like clean vocalization style, but I think there was a lot of channeling that there. And and if whether or not he was trying to pull it off like that it worked on this it really did you don't get too many versions especially nowadays when this is a an every other night kind of song you don't get too many versions where you can make that comparison but yeah back when his, his voice is just clean and crisp here oh it's this is very good all right that closes this one out let's get to three moments john it's your turn to start first Ooh, oh,
2: tough, tough because I, I i love this show my number three, I'll go with, oh, how about Not For You at number three? Then I'll go with Evenflow at number two, and got to be Brain of J, number one. I mean, we talked about it early on, just maybe the best Brain of J I've ever
0: heard. I'm doing the three-headed yield monster here. Number three. In hiding, number two, Do the Evolution, number one, Brandon J. Mm. That's, I, I think the yield songs were in top shape at this show. Obviously, nowadays, not gonna get repeat scenarios of those, especially something like Do the Evolution, where it's just all intense, all growl, same with Brandon J. But yeah, this is a good show for yield songs, and, and they need that moment to show that they couldn't be beat at the show. All right, now we get to a rating. This could get interesting.
2: Well, before we do that, I want to say, you know, I picked my three moments. Make sure you go to liveandfourlegs.com. Check that on Monday to read my making of a moment where I'm going to do a deep dive into those if you want to check that out. My rating for this, and I did not expect to get this going in, This this is a 10 out of 10 for me. I thought this show was fantastic. One of the best of this year. Absolutely one of the best vaults. Like, every song performed near perfectly. And everything you could ask from, from a Pearl Jam show.
0: There's a lot of shows that I go into and I sort of listen to the first couple songs and it's sort of in my head. I have this like meter running where it's like, okay, here, right here. I'm like, okay, I'm in the eighth spot. I'm like a seven, but it can be built up. And and I kind of like, you know, I, I reassess every few songs. Like where am I with this now? Where am I with this now? Somewhere along the line seven or eight songs in, maybe after Not For You, I'm like, I'm at a 10 right now. And I don't know how this can go down. It it really has to just fall apart for this to go down. And I was just enjoying it the whole entire way. I couldn't help it, but I saw no fault of it. I saw... Nothing but great versions of songs, nothing but great energy, nothing but me thinking the whole entire time that this was a perfect show to be immortalized as as a vault, and I didn't waver. This is a 10 show. This is a Hall of Fame show right here. Happy to say it. We
2: don't, I didn't know if well, you were going to be there on this, I gotta admit. I didn't know
0: if you were going to be on board. Yeah, no, I was. I really was, right. and I think a lot of it it, may, it might not be individual moments at the show, which there are many, but I think it's overall listening to a damn good show. Just twenty-two tracks, a very short encore. It's a it's a short show in general. It's it's a less than uh, an hour forty-five minutes. It, it runs about an hour forty, but front to back, it's got the the idea of playing in a big venue too, where that kind of if if you're able to match that anticipation and you're able to bring your a game on that that has a lot to do with getting a big rating for me and Hmm. yeah at one point like i said i was just thinking like i see this as a 10 right now and a lot would have to happen for me to 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 come down on that so like i said it'll be back in december in the hall of fame we'll do it it's rightful induction when we get there yeah well deserved. All right, let's tee everybody up to what we're doing next week. Obviously, it's all vaults. So what happened with next week was I was originally thinking, okay, since we did L.A. this week, next week we would do Vegas. And then I looked at the calendar for a few reasons. I'm like, wait a minute. That week, next week is going to be the Oakland shows. The Oakland shows are happening on Thursday and Friday. I'm like, okay, we now have another week for Vegas. Then I looked at dates again and said, all right, what would go in place of Vegas for that if I switched it over to being released on the 18th? It would be Bellingham, and then I I saw the calendar. Bellingham was on the 10th, and since Bellingham is a massive binaural show, binaural's anniversary of release, the 22nd anniversary, is the 12th. So we're going to be sandwiched in between the anniversary of when the show at Mount Baker happened and the anniversary of when the album came out. So I don't think we could have planned that more perfectly. And we didn't plan it at all. So it all kind of amounted to what it did. Yeah, we're doing Mount Baker next week. And for anybody wondering, all of these shows as of a week ago, I I did not have a single one of these on vault in my possession right now Is Mount Baker i have been looking for all of the vaults that i don't have and i was able to win a uh what what you would call a waffle on uh one of the social media sites and uh thankfully came home with uh a very nice prize and always look out for those gems always look out for those kind oh, yeah, of gems I've, and
2: i've had all of these since as they've been releasing them and yeah just, I mean, we didn't really talk about this, but the packaging on these, the whole, the artwork, everything about it, like top-notch work on these, like they do a really good job with these, these vault vinyl
0: releases. Absolutely. We can get more into that next week, but Hey, like we said, this is tour week. This is going to be tour month. The next couple weeks are going to be busy. They're going to be busy. There's going to be a lot of content and maybe some content that you're not even expecting. There might be a couple episodes here and there that, we're not going to talk about before we release them. This might be the most that we say about them. So just remember the way that you keep up with it is to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or if you decided in the middle of this episode to bookmark live on FourLegs.com, then you have that because that'll be on the front page every time a new episode comes out. So look, if that's how you feel is the easiest way that you can keep, in touch with this podcast and keep in the know of what we're doing this is the best time to do it this is the best time to subscribe on those platforms and if you like this show i suggest that you go and do that that's all i'm going to say about that all right we got a lot more to do Again, like I mentioned, the next couple of weeks are going to be super busy. So keep tuned to the Patreon, keep tuned for the reactions. And for all those that can't join Patreon at this time, there will be a point where we're going to put like a, a halfway point or an ending point episode out. We'll have on Monday. Of next week, we'll have the two LA shows reaction, and for Tuesday or Wednesday, we'll have the Phoenix reaction. So yeah, it'll all kind of come together pretty quickly. And next week, when we actually know what happens on the tour, we'll be able to talk about it a little more. So, all right. Until we do, we thank you for tuning in. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already, and I miss you always. Ah, what can, What else do we have to say? Like just. If, if you're there, enjoy. Enjoy the shows. Enjoy the company. Enjoy meeting people. The best thing about going to these shows outside of the music is being in the presence of people that are experiencing the same things that you do and talking to them and getting to see how they intake Pearl Jam too, because, yeah, it's a special thing. And I think that maybe through a lot of social media bullshit that's happened over the last couple of years and being kind of locked in the pandemic, this fan base is kind of, Seen some some twists and turns in places, but when you get to go to the shows and you get to be right there with people, celebrating, talking to them, learning about them, enjoying what this band brings you, then yeah, everybody kind of comes together. This is when the community is at its best. I'll see you in Sacramento and Vegas. That won't be for a little while, but until then, hopefully we get to see you next week. We made it.
1: The fifth need is to save some trees We just want to save some trees Don't say we didn't save some freaking trees Party at Biodome? Alright, let's go! Buzz and Dora are having a party at the Biodome?
3: That's crazy, what are they thinking?
1: How? Wait a minute, what about our party? Long not be parked. going to
3: Biodome Thanks for the background